Perfect. So you're in Texas, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Are you not affected by any of this weird weather fire patterns? No, it's hot as fuck here every year. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm not. No, it's hot here too, but we're getting some of I'm in Richmond, Virginia, and the air quality is horrible. It looks like it's uh, super foggy out because of the smoke from Canada. Oh, you know what? I did hear about that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Dang. It's really bad. Like, you can go outside and smell it, and it's you know, thousands of miles away. Oh, my God. I saw a picture of New York last night. Uh, it was just like an orange haze. Yeah. Oh, it's not that bad here, but it's there's definitely a haze. It's really weird. We get a lot of wildfires from Mexico that come up to DF. I'm in Dallas, Fort Worth, and, um, and we get it. And, man, it brings a lot of allergies and shit. You just get really yeah. irritated. It sucks. Yep. Anyway, let's talk about yeah. Lockjaw. Sure, yeah. So uh, for those not familiar... Can you give us the two sentence elevator pitch, boardroom pitch? Yeah, we are a metal. I wouldn't call us any specific genre. We're a metal band from Fort Texas. We started in '98. I started the band right out of high school, and we took a few years off. We did real well in the Dallas scene. We've always had a good name here, but we took a few years off and. Um, I want to say it was around 2018 we came no about 2016 we came back did a few shows and realized we wanted to continue doing it and so i had a manager reach out or somebody was trying to sign us and uh got me with uh chris collier who's our producer and that's kind of where it all came this this world so nice and dallas has a pretty good metal scene right i know you've got some good venues like i think trees yeah. down there right yeah, that's actually what we're doing. Our album release show, July 15th. Um, Clint's a good friend of mine. He used to be the drummer for Vanilla Ice and another really cool band here in Dallas. Uh, yeah, the Dallas scene, you know, it in the early 2000s, Dallas was huge. We had Pantera, then Damage Plan, then we had uh, Element 80. They did real well with Universal Republic. Uh, we had a Drowning Pool, good friends of ours. Uh, we've had quite a few bands come up from here. Memphis may fire. I think, I okay. think. Right. So, uh, yeah. And then now since we came back and started doing this, a lot of the bands that were just kind of playing low are starting to take it seriously. You know, everybody's kind of starting to after COVID, I think everybody's saying, Hey, let's do this again. Let's go. And it's the scene's really popping. It's good. COVID really leveled the playing field though, right? Because everybody sort of was on the, is now on the same, I guess on the same level after you coming out of that, right? It's like starting new for everyone. Yeah, it is. Um, we lost what a third of the venues probably, yeah. um, you know, we luckily survived most of our venues, the Ridgely, theater the uh rail club in fort worth uh there's a new place called tulips it's really cool it's a nice venue we have trees still in dallas we have the bomb factory which is now called the factory it's called the bomb Factory. we had a change of ownership um deep ellum was a community in dallas that was really great for many years i don't know if you ever went there or not yeah, i've been there a few times yeah yeah the the scene isn't 
what it used to be. The scene used to be compacted to about four or five streets in Dallas called Deep Ellum Historic Arts District. And they had trees, the Curtain Club, the Galaxy Club, uh, La Dada. I mean, there's all these in like four blocks. Right. And now it's basically just trees in the bomb factory. And, and there's a smaller room at the bomb factory. It's called the, the, the room. I can't remember what it's called. It used to be Deep Ellum Live, but I can't remember what it's called now. I had some of the best barbecue in my life in Deep Ellum probably like four or five years ago. I can't think of the name of the place now, but. Uh, Terry Black's is over there. They're real good. He's an awesome. Like an outside patio area and really big. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think I'm pretty sure that's Terry Black's where he has all the smokers sitting outside. Yeah. Propane tank. Yep. He's actually from Austin and he's down in the down, down Austin, man. Amazing. And I didn't even know they had one in Dallas for a while. (laughs) I don't go over there very often. Yeah. Worth is about an hour away. That's where I'm. That's where I'm at. Right. So, so. You, you guys have released uh, a couple singles, but I can't escape is the one that I've been jamming. What's been the reaction to it so far? Great. It, it's they keep getting better. You know, we're like in this new marketing world where like we're not on a label. So I started my own label for Lockjaw, and um, the first single was Silence the Fear. The second single was Living in My Head. The third single was breaking point i think and then now and then devil in disguise is in there too uh then breaking so we were just doing singles just to really pump up our algorithm and really get things going right and it's done a really good job for us but i feel kind of like i'm wasting four or five songs almost by dumping them out but we got with sony orchard and they're like let's get the album out then you guys can do some more singles kind of mix it up get you a catalog so doing the, the the reaction has been the best so far we reached ten thousand streams within like a week a week and a half or something nice you know, so the, these singles are are leading up to a full length yes so the record comes out july uh, 7th and uh, in fact we just got our vinyl presses in last night or day before yesterday and so i was going to bring one in here to show you but <clears throat> yeah the record comes out july 7th and it's a full length and we didn't really know how we were going to do it. We got with this producer and he's Chris Collier. He works with Corn, Nonpoint, Vended, a bunch of just acts that we want to right. be playing with. <laughs> and um, we started just doing songs. And so we got the first two or three. We released them. Let's, let's get the ball, the momentum and get the ball rolling. And then, um, I don't know. We I guess we just decided, hey, let's go ahead. We got with Sony Orchard right, um, and Lewis. Uh, was just like, hey, yeah, let's get, let's get, uh, let's get the full thing done. Let's just do the, let's get you a record out, get you a catalog. So that's what we did. And I think there's four or five songs left that nobody's heard. How exciting was it to get that first vinyl pressing? Oh my god, amazing! <laughs> we, in fact, <laughs> I had laid down. I was tired that day. I had a busy day, and I laid down at eight thirty or nine o'clock. And my, my wife texted me, she said, my wife was laying there and she said, hey, Kim across the street just texted and said, you have a ton of boxes on your front porch. And I was like, dang it. I just got wound down. I was really like right there, ready to go to sleep. Right. And if I don't do that, I will not sleep for the whole night. And so, of course, I go try to open the door and all the boxes are pushed up against the door. So I'm like having to finagle my way out of the door. Of course, you've got like hundreds of just records you know <laughs> right 
<laughs> and so of course we got one out and I was super excited and up all night. <laughs> That's great. Did you play it a million times? I haven't played it yet. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just have been busy as crap. We had the record come out. We got the record in. I've been designing stuff for the release. Uh, we've got a tour coming up with the boys in El Nino. Um, you know, I've just got, I'm just got, got a million things going. So, yeah, I'm going to take a moment when there's nobody bugging me, and I'm going to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> nice. That's funny you mentioned El Nino. I'm really good friends with, uh, and he's friends of the show, uh, Marcus. Marcus, Marco, yeah, sorry, yeah, Marco. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. yeah, I saw him the other night at the at the last show of the the tour in uh, Fort Worth, and he he's a great front man. He's he's awesome. A lot of energy. Oh my yeah. god! I actually haven't seen him with El Nino. I saw him with Shattered Sun a bunch of times. Yeah, his previous band. How far is he from you? Like, I don't even know where Alice, Texas, is. But uh, where is he at? Alice, I don't Alice, know. yeah, A L I C E. I have no idea. I feel like that's down San Antonio way. That's that's okay. about four hours. But anyway, he's a nice guy. That'll be a good tour, right? Because they're really tearing it up. They're doing a great job. Dave Shivari that that kind of runs the show for that band. Uh, he's he's, gosh, he's got his hands in so many things. He he has his bus company. He like rents out tour buses to other bands. And which is cool because that provides their band tour buses, you know, very super yeah. expensive right now. And he's, he's, man, he's working every angle to make El Nino come back. And, you know, new metals coming back. It was such a push right now that it's perfect time for them because that was right when they were in their heyday, you know? Yes. So that's exciting. Yeah. Exciting. That'll be a great tour then. You should get a good yeah. crowds. Yeah, I talked to him the other night, and uh, there's some there's some surprises that I don't know about yet that are coming. So we're we're just waiting for all the details. I, all I know is that we are we are allowed to say officially that we are going on tour with El Nino this summer to support our record, and it's our first tour like this. This is the first we've done regional stuff here and there. We've gone to Florida and back, but this will be the first run for us, and we're really excited about it. Yeah, and they're great guys. Oh yeah, how do you prepare for a, a a full length like that, or a more national sort of thing? Uh, you know, the hardest part, believe it or not, was getting uh, time off for guys in the band. Like, um, I I own my, I'm a partner in a roofing operation here in Texas because we get a lot of hail, and I am the record label. I f- focus on pushing and funding the band and doing everything that needs to right. be done the business side, but so I have a really open schedule to do what I need to do, but um, two of my other guys work for themselves, which is great. But actually, three of my other guys work for themselves, but one of them, our bassist, works for a uh, telecommunic, a big telecommunications company, right? And he is he's subject to time off and, and things. So right. that was the hard part, finagling time to make sure that vacations and. I just figured for the first few years, while we're developing and blowing, just trying to blow the band up that we wouldn't be out for more than two or three weeks at a time anyway. And he was able to allocate that time. And as long as we're playing weekend runs in Texas and regionally, and we can save that vacation time for the long stretches for the long stretch. And we got opportunities. I, it hasn't announced it, but we were playing a very, very notable festival in Mexico city in November, but that's all I can say. So things like that. Right. That's beautiful. 
Yeah. So it's just now starting. Things are happening. Last year we got to do, we got to do uh, the So What Music Fest, and they play. They did it at the Texas Rangers Stadium. Oh, nice. they play, and it had like six stages. And gosh, it had Lorna Shore and Wage War and Hatebreed and a bunch of awesome bands. And we got nice. to drop out Kings with it. We got to meet a lot of cool bands, and that was a cool thing. And we sold so many tickets here in Dallas. We sold thousands of dollars in tickets that they put us for our stage. They put us as the headliner for our stage, like the last oh, band. Nice, right? Yeah, that was cool. And then we get to do um, a deal with uh, ninety-seven point one, the Eagle, which was our radio station, no longer exists. I don't know why they do that, but we don't have a rock station in one of the biggest markets in the country. Except for Kano Win and our friends at Kano Win, Reckless Rock Radio and Hard Time Radio, Thrash and Allen. But we don't have like a, a major active rock station. And um, so they got us on a show called The Freaker's Ball and Disturbed Headline. And we played at Dickie's Arena. That was the first arena show we've ever done. And it was crazy because Live Nation brought us in and treated us like they gave us our own room. I mean, nice. I, it was amazing. It was, it was, and it was, Disturbed, Drowning Pool, Asking Alexandria was supposed to be on, but they had to drop. Dorothy, New Year's Day, us, and it was it was amazing. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So when cool. you guys are heading out on the road here, are you going to be playing stuff, revisiting stuff from the previous incarnation of the band, or is it all just like starting from 2016 or whatever you said? And forward? You know, that's interesting. That's a really good question. So... Hey you, do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-d.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. It's it's hard because we've been a band for 23 years, right? So we we've released I want to say one, two, three, or four EPs mm-hmm. just during that time. And we, we it was all about playing live. If I could go, if my 44-year-old self could go back and talk to my 21-year-old self, I would say go live in the studio and never come out until you have some seriously good material. We were all about playing live and we would just go record stuff so we could play live versus focusing all of our energy on recording and then supporting what we had, the the masterpiece that we put out, you know, right. that's how we think now. So the way I see, I actually had quite a bit of music on Spotify and on, on the DSPs and I pulled them down. Because I talked to a, a manager guy, a label guy. I can't. They they were helping consulting for us, kind of helping us, kind of get figure everything out. And I said, "What do you think?" And he said, "Pull it all down, start fresh. Just just show the world what you're made of now." Because relatively nobody had heard it yet. You know, the Dallas had heard it, but it didn't really matter. So when we go out on tour, we're going to get probably 25 minutes a night. We're going to play all new stuff. It's going to be new. For our headliners here at home, we're going to play a couple of the old. We're going to play all new stuff. Like our our release show is going to be the full album, cover to cover. But we're going to add a couple things in there, you know. 
Okay, cool. Right, yeah. but it, mostly it's going to be brand new. Yeah. Yeah, this stuff is superior to anything we've ever done. And having a producer like Chris, he's just, they call him the wizard for a reason. He's got an incredible eye and incredible ear. Uh, he sits down and helps us work through the arrangements. He's a drummer um, first, you know, so he, he has an incredible ear for arrangement. You know, he's one day he'll be in the studio working with the corn guys. And then the next oh, day, that's nice. right. That's to get that inspirational overflow. If corn's just overflow and dude, they're writing songs out there. They write constantly, constantly writing with them. So if, if, if I'm getting that creative overflow into this camp, I will take it. I'll take it. He's amazing. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, the experience and the knowledge they bring to the table is probably priceless. Oh my God. He, he, we were recording vocals on the last few tracks of the record. And he was like, Hey man, I'm in Bakerfield, Bakersfield. So I'm going to have to, uh, record from here. And I was like, where are you at? He goes, Oh, this is corn studio. And I was like, Oh my God. You know, like we're on video like this. It was, it right. was crazy. All right. So, so don't take this the wrong way because it's not meant to be, but so I'm, you know, I'm in my fifties as well. You said you're 44 years old. Did you ever imagine or what's it feel like to, I guess is a better way to phrase it to do this at middle age or middle, middle age or something like that. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. No, it, it's a great, I love it. It's a great question. Um, I embrace my age. I, I feel, I feel 25. I go to the gym every single day. I'm hell, I'm wearing my gym shirt right now. I'll go to the, I get up in the morning. I eat carnivore whole foods only. I go to the gym every day. I bust my ass. All of the guys in the band are like really busting their ass to be in shape and take care of themselves. I find Metallica, all the guys in Metallica is huge inspirations to man, see. Man, Headfield looks better now than he ever did. I was just telling my son that yesterday. I was like, man, I just saw him like backstage clips from the European tour and amazing. He looks amazing. He looks relaxed. He looks like he's in such a great place, just yeah. smoking a cigar, hanging out. That's so dope. That's so that is so inspirational. Can Headfield say something? I, the light's going to kind of reflect on it, but you can kind of see that. Oh, yeah. That was 2019. Look how much heavier he is right there. Yeah. You know, that was before he went to this last stint of rehab. And him and I sat and talked. We were backstage doing the meet and greet thing, and we sat and talked about how inspirational it was that he had done, chose his family and chose, you know, sobriety. And so I guess he had to check himself. I guess he said he slipped a little and said, you know what? I got to go back to it. And, you know, we're pretty much a sober household here. We don't, me and my wife, we gave that up. That's an old life. So that, I think you're asking me going back to the question. Sorry. I get a little, oh, that's great. We meander often. Yeah. So taking care of our bodies, listening to our bodies, doing a hell of a lot more cardio than we used to doing lots of hiking and stuff helps us in here. It helps us, uh, and, and our singer Joe is hippie. He's crazy. He walks around barefooted constantly. He's like, you know, in the video for I Can't Escape, he's walking around barefoot. He's running barefoot across that field. He's, you know. Right. So we're all taking care of ourselves. We had a little 
in Vegas, we had a little uh, scare. Our drummer, Scott, out, and we thought he had a heart attack. He's a big dude. He's like 6'3", 270. He's a big boy. And he to play that fast, you know, we got there. He fell out. We had to rush him to the hospital. We didn't get to play the show. It was a festival, Apocalypse in the Desert Festival. Right. We got in there, and they said, well, you didn't have a heart attack, but we want to keep you overnight and do testing. He gets back to Texas. We get him back. He's feeling terrible. He has a concussion from falling. He was out for a week. We missed a show. We had a whole April run plan, and we missed half of it, basically. And so he ended up having an angiogram. They went in through his groin, came all the way up to his heart, Mm -hmm. and figured out he did not have a heart attack or a blockage, but they feel like he definitely is on the edge of stress, like that stress heart attack. So they... He started losing weight, eating clean, taking care of his body. So we're, the, I guess, going back to your question, it is really important that we just take care of ourselves. I want Metallica do what they're doing. I think all that matters is we're writing kick-ass songs. And if the right. world likes those songs, then we're going to go perform those songs. If the world yeah. does it, the world's going to tell <clears throat> Consumption is going to tell us what to do. You know, I'm not getting so let me ask you a question there, and I know I'm yeah. interrupting, but yeah, consumption's gonna tell you what to do, but in the end, you're still doing this because you enjoy doing it, right? Because it's at the yes. heart of who you are, not necessarily because yeah. five thousand people are gonna buy it on the first day. Does that make sense? It is. We're doing it a hundred percent because this is what we love to do, but the consumption is gonna determine the investment. So yeah. that makes sense. A, a, a producer, 15, 20 grand, uh, right. a publicist, a lot of money, right. um, buying records, thousands of dollars. You can burn three or $4,000 quickly buying an RV to tour in, right. You know, all that stuff. If we want to, if we want to just continue writing music for the purity of it, we'll play right here in Dallas and right. sell out venues here and, and go get a barbecue. Yeah. It'd be great. Right. But I want to be on Knotfest. I want to be on the next Metallica stadium tour. I want to be on, I want to be on with all of them. I want to go all the way. Right. That's just where my mind is. I'm already there here. Right. I'm there. And I'm just trying to make sure that not only do we put out cool songs, but we could put out cool videos and tools and everything to accompany it just to make it as, is um prolific not prolific but it's just as potent as possible right you know that makes sense all right so we're running up on time and i've got a quick little questionnaire at the end but what uh if fans want to find lockjaw how do they get to find you online uh okay so lockjawlive.com just our, our website and that has links to every social you can go to lockjawlive.com we have our official online store you can buy an advanced copy of the record there if you want um on facebook we're lockjaw live on Instagram, we're Lockjaw Metal. TikTok, we're Lockjaw Metal, uh, and so on. So, yeah, we're all yeah. over the place. Awesome. So, I'm a big fan of the, uh, I don't know if you remember, the old actor studio with James Lipton. Yeah. So, I've got his 10 questions here that I think are really good, and they make great shorts later on. So, if you don't mind, yeah. we'll run through those, and then we'll call it a day. Please. So, what is your favorite word? Fuck. And mine, too, by the way. Uh, what is your least favorite word? No. What sound or noise do you love? My dog eating a Dorito. 
What sound or noise do you hate? Oh, God. Well, I can tell you one thing. The toilet's running right now in the other room. is pissing me off, so I hate that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, so the next one is going to be, what is your favorite curse word? But I think we just covered that in, <laughs> in the other one. <laughs> um, what profession would you like not to do? Oh, man. Plumbing. All right. And the last one then for you is, if heaven exists, what would you like God to what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh man, good job. Good job, dude. You did it. You pushed it hard, you know, and I think heaven does exist. And I think I'm going to hear that. I hope. <laughs> All right. And I lied to you. I missed one. Cause I was just, oh, go ahead, go ahead. what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Other creative people, you know, um, other creative people. Hang on one second. Yeah. My wife. <laughs> um, other creative people. People that are, you know what? People that are inspired and feel that their existence is bigger than themselves. That that, that I think that is the most attractive thing about humans. Is I hate seeing people. Can I, can I elaborate on this just a little bit? Yeah, you sure can. we got about three okay. minutes. Okay. A lot of this record is about silencing the voice of fear. Uh, look out for the devil in disguise. People that are soothsayers, they're going to bring you in and help you. Uh, I Can't Escape is about uh, escaping your addiction, and, and uh, it has a lot to do with mental health. Living in My Head is mental health. So all these songs are about real things that I think people can really connect to right now and the age that we're in after post COVID, whatever the fuck is going on, you know, right. all of those things. So that's what, that's what this is all about. And and so people that are, it doesn't matter what they're doing. If they're a, like a, or a plumber or a, a roofer or they're just a student or whatever, seeing people that are inspired, seeing people be creative with what they have been given their talents it doesn't matter at what level. I love that. That's that's exciting to me. I'm teaching my kids how to play the. My kid played the master of puppets the other day on the guitar. It blew me away. You know, right. my kid comes in here and gets on the drums. You know, they have all this at their fingertips right here. So to just to see them just have that spark and they're inspired by me at 44 doing what I'm doing. Right. You know? So that that I think that's the answer. Long long form. No, that's beautiful. Thank you for taking the time, man. I know we meandered a lot, but I like to talk. Oh, I enjoy it. No, I enjoy it. Uh, we ought to, I don't know if you're interested or not, but when the record comes out, it'd be cool to have you. Maybe we could do like a feature on the record or something. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'd gladly have you back on. Be cool. Maybe we could go through the songs or something. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be fun. Absolutely. I appreciate talking to you, man. Thank you so hey, much. Thank you. Very, are you going to put this online? I, it's going to be, I'm, I'm part, I just signed the deal with the uh, Evergreen Podcast, Podcast Network 
which yeah. is a pretty decent size podcast network. And we're transferring over, so it's probably going to be two weeks. Cause I think we go live July 1st with episodes. Yeah. So it'll be cool. in the next two weeks or three weeks. Yeah. Well, I'm, that's exciting. It's very nice to meet you. Hey, take care, my friend. Take, see you, man. Be well. Cheers. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast.